Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, sitting in for Andrew P. Shea. Second time together this week. Can never get enough, Dusty. Well, I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna issue one blanket statement here, and that statement is, "I'm sorry, and you're welcome." Depending on how you feel about me. <laughs> I'm. Sh- I'm, I'm sure our listeners could tolerate it for just this one week. Yeah. Um, as I always say, don't worry. Andrew P. will be back next week better than ever. He's a, what do we call We call it he's away on assignment. How is that, Dusty? Oh, okay. I don't know what that assignment is, but um, but yeah, that, that's, that sounds very professional. And by the way, like... I, I'm I can't really do an and, Andrew Pichet impression. I'm not going to have really any outlandish predictions. Although we are going to kind of venture down some outlandish things on, on this episode, but uh, and I also don't have any zany catchphrases. So I I mean you're going to downgrade in those two areas for sure. Well, you know that's that's Andy. There is only one. There is no imitation. So. Again, we'll leave you wanting more as far as Andrew P. Shea goes. And before we get into our Penn State conversation, just a reminder about our friends at New Trail Brewing Company. They brew their beer right here in central Pennsylvania and deliver it fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. Your biggest dilemma is which of their many options to select. That's why, Dustin, I recommend the Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trails Hoppy Pack, it's an absolute crowd pleaser. It's packed with four different hoppy beers, sure to please everybody, whether it's at your tailgate, campfire, any kind of fall event. That's the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. All right, Dustin, since we're together again a second time this week, you and I had talked about this a little bit. We wanted to do something a little bit different, at least for our first segment. And this is a little bit based on what's been going on with this Penn State football team the last couple weeks. And that's, let's do what we always do best. Let's overreact. What do you think? So much of the time, I put restraints on my feelings and my words it feels good to sit down and just take those restraints off this time. Let's just let's just go for it. We must overreact immediately. All there right, there we go, Dusty. We not only overreact, we must do it immediately. And let's let me tell you what brought this up for me. The last two weeks, if there was ever a time to overreact about this Penn State football team, it's these last two games. After the Michigan game, you know what? I wasn't sure they were ever going to win another game. Now, after this whiteout victory Saturday night at home against Minnesota, I'm asking, let's go take on those Buckeyes, right? 11 and one is a conclusion that that is an inevitability. No, I mean, I've, I've, I've made this comparison a few times. So if people have heard this before, I apologize, but, a college football season is really a book with 12 chapters where everybody's everybody knows what the ending is after each individual chapter, right? So 
it's just the nature of the beast when you get you, your, your data points on, on what a team is, how they're growing, how they're addressing issues, how consistent they are, what the coaches do. You get data points that are that are separated far apart. And so you're just left to kind of wonder for a long time. And that data point against Michigan was horrendous. Just absolutely horrendous. So if you're going to marinate on that for a while, you are going to come out of it pretty pessimistic. That was their first real showdown showcase kind of game. And they fell flat. They were out coached. They were out physical. They were outplayed. So yeah, you are going to start to draw some conclusions off that. And then uh, this was just kind of a radical two week stretch where they went and did the complete opposite the next week. And let me also uh, tell you, uh, Another way we're overreacting. That's the whole game. But on individual players and position groups, I was preparing for our show with T. Frank earlier this week. And what I do is I take the notes from the previous week. I just bring them up and I modify for this week's game. And it seemed like every single data point from the Michigan game was just the opposite. The My first line about the Michigan game was, Boy, weren't those linebackers bad. Yeah. My first line for this Minnesota game was, how about those linebackers, Dustin, and how good (laughs) Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter were. So which is it? Are they god-awful or are they exceptionally good? Well, I mean, yes, is my answer to that. Uh, And and (laughs) both of them are true at the time. Uh, and now my overreaction would be, okay, after Michigan, uh, Jonathan Sutherland, I just, I don't, I don't think he really makes the grade. Tyler Elsden um, is, is, is not fast enough to have much margin for error. And that was exploited. So now, okay, now you got Abdul Carter starting the game against Minnesota. And I can't wait to find out if that really was matchup oriented against that Minnesota team, or if we're going to see him again against Ohio State. Um, so now, yeah, the linebackers were much better, but in part because they made a personnel change there and got to me the better player on the field. And I think they spent a week really addressing gap discipline and stuff like that. And they were in better position to make plays. And Curtis Jacobs looked a a heck of a lot more comfortable going back to the strong side. So my overreaction after Minnesota is let's go with that linebacker combination until it's proven that it doesn't work. I don't care if it's a run team, pass team, or whatever. I feel like Abdul Carter is a better player against both the run and the pass. I don't care what that matchup is. Get him on the field. It's get your best players out there. Never seems like a bad strategy, Dustin. And it will be interesting to see this week how how that linebacker arrangement works out. Now, James Franklin in his press conference, said this had to do with matchups. This had to do with um, Minnesota, and we wanted the run stoppers. You know, would rather have an Abdul Carter out there rather than Jonathan Sutherland. So maybe what the linebacker arrangement is will tell us what they think of the opponent's offense. So it'll be interesting. You go to Ohio with Ohio State, they could run the ball, pass the ball. It doesn't matter. And you know, I think sometimes over the course of a season, as the information changes, like obviously week one, Jonathan Sutherland was your best option at, at linebacker. And that continued through the early portion of the season. Experience, leadership, all that stuff 
um, if, if factored in. But as the, as the information changes for coaches, especially when you're dealing with somebody who's been around as long as Jonathan Sutherland, which by the way, James Franklin, his loyalty to Sean Clifford makes all the headlines, obviously. Some would say he's too loyal to Sean Clifford. But the, a similar situation is also here with Jonathan Sutherland, where may, is he a little too loyal to Jonathan Sutherland? But as the season plays out and the information changes and, and the film gets updated and it's becoming more clear that Abdul Carter is a better player, I think, um, I don't think coaches really make a, a hard and fast switch. I think last week was the toe in the water. You know, the matchup dictated it, but oh man, Abdul Carter was really good. They look really good in tandem together. That's our best combination. Now I think maybe you you open the gateway to maybe making a more permanent change there. And if we don't see it all the time or at the start, we probably will see it more often because let's face it, especially on defense, the players get rotated quite a bit. And it's interesting you brought up Sean Clifford because when you talk overreaction, Who's, he should be the poster boy for overreaction, good and bad. And he will take the brunt of it when they lose, as they did against Michigan. And a week later, he's player of the week <laughs> in the Big Ten. Yeah. Now, I feel, Dustin, we should pause right now after I announce that. And for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, at James Franklin's press conference this week, when he recites statistics from the game and talks about what players were awarded this or that, he said, and Sean Clifford, player, Offensive Player of the Week in the Big Ten. And he gave it a long, dramatic pause to let that sink in. Was that James Franklin overreacting <laughs> to one really good game by Sean Clifford? Uh, I mean, whatever it was, was a little hokey and a little corny and a little bit misplaced to me. Nobody's got like nobody in that room that he was staring at has an ax to grind against Sean Clifford. Now, there was some after Michigan, there was some actual like column writing and reporting that's that hinted at maybe's the time for Drew Aller. Maybe that's what he was getting at. But I think it's just a matter of like if, if people are writing negative stuff about Sean Clifford, it's because they're using their eyeballs, not because they they uh, are have an axe to grind. So I just thought it was it was funny and a little a little weird that he did it. Like you know he went out of his way to kind of have Sean Clifford's back, but you know we, nobody would feel this way if he wasn't so hit or miss if he wasn't so up or down if he didn't have so much ugly stuff that happens even as a six-year player like what Sean Clifford has done on the field has kind of dictated how people view him and how people treat him so I don't think it's unfair I just think like when, when things are going well for Sean Clifford everybody's just waiting for it to spiral out of control because it's it's happened a bunch of times before Nobody has an unfair perspective, in my opinion, about Sean Clifford. I mean, some some fans do. Let's 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 address that one. But but yeah, I mean, over overreaction, like his play dictates it because it's so up and down. Well, let me uh, put it. I have a little different take on his uh, pregnant pause there. I liked it because James Franklin will be so vanilla, so unoffensive in his answers in his press conferences it's amazing to me that he the most enlightening he ever was biggest statement he makes was by shutting his mouth and saying nothing but giving it a big pause 
the other, while we're speaking of coaches and overreacting, I'd be remiss, Dustin, if I didn't talk about the little bit of scuffle at halftime between Penn State and Michigan. There's only one tunnel at Michigan Stadium. Uh, James Franklin says they should probably do something about that and have two tunnels so teams aren't coming out together. Speaking of overreaction, Jim Harbaugh then jumps all over James Franklin. Which, in in theory, I'm okay with it. If he says, like, James Franklin's whining, okay. But when he intimates that James Franklin was doing things on purpose and he was a ringleader, it kind of discounts everything else he had to say. James Franklin was whining about that. You can call that out if you're Jim Harbaugh. But he wasn't orchestrating anything. Your words lose credibility when you make an outlandish claim like that. But it was overreaction. And Dustin, that's what we love. That's what makes it fun. I like when the coaches overreact. Speaking of coaches, we're going to discuss James Franklin in quarter number two. You don't want to miss it. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania. And delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkins-Smith. So graciously sitting in for our buddy Andrew P. Shea today. And quarter number two is brought to you by the good folks at GoPSURV.com. Little late for the Ohio State game this weekend. They are sold out at GoPSURV. Still have some availability, though, for some what could be some pretty good games against Maryland and Michigan State. 
And if you call Mark at 800-519-8467, tell him you want the KSN RV special, you'll get $500 off the weekend. Can't miss it. That's a great deal, Dusty. All right. As promised, Dustin, I want to have a James Franklin coaching discussion in quarter number two. Speaking of overreacting, as we talked about in quarter number one, whether it's Sean Clifford or James Franklin, I'm not sure who is mo- more polarizing along among Penn State fans. They've got to be one and one A. Simple question for you. Has James Franklin been a good coach at Penn State over his going on nine years now? Yeah, I, th- I mean, good for sure. I mean, ha- has he been worth uh, the expectation worth the the money has he since 2016 um, is he one of the best coaches in in the country um, has he gotten the job done against uh, the top teams that he plays I mean clearly the answer to that last question is no uh, has he built a a good steady solid program and recruited well and uh, you know, gotten you know nine plus wins in four four years in a row. I mean, there, there's a lot of shades of gray to this. I think it's okay to say that he hasn't been as good as people want him to be. Uh, the program certainly after going four and five in 2020 and seven and six in 2021 and getting blasted by Michigan a couple weeks ago. I mean, there there's still a lot to be desired uh, as far as what Penn State is accomplishing on the field. You know, even if you take out 2016, you look at the way that they were climbing at one point, it just feels like they're further off, not closer to the ultimate goal um, of, you know, making a college football playoff, winning a national title, winning a Big Ten title again, uh, beating Ohio State again. That happened that one time uh, and they haven't been able to do it since. So, yeah, I, I do think, you know, for for his warts, uh, which you can name, um, there's a lot of good things that he, that he does. And uh, I think you know, getting to a place where you're winning nine or 10 games. It's just not something that many programs can take for granted. And if you're sitting there, you know, kind of complaining about a nine and three season or a 10 and two season or whatever, if you're complaining about uh, continuing to lose to those top 10 teams, you're in a better position than 95% of the fan bases out there. And I'm going to take the side of defending James Franklin and all of this. And I'm going to do it in a couple different ways. One of our favorite listeners who sends in his questions is Steve from Potomac. You and I both know Steve and know that Steve is very adamant in his opinions uh, about James Franklin. And I want to read you a question that he sent in for, you know, Ask Andy, and maybe we'll, we'll address it in the next segment. But I'd like to read it because I want to talk about it and get your response. Uh Steve says, doesn't seem like we should be excited about beating a Minnesota team without their starting quarterback. Other than the fluky 2016 win over Ohio State, has Franklin ever beaten a team with superior talent? Seems like teams with comparable talent get the best of him since they're better coached. If Franklin could only beat teams with inferior talent and occasionally lose to them, then Penn State's ceiling is 10-2 and and finishing third in the East. Is that the ceiling Penn State wants moving forward? And I think we know where Steve is coming from. And I think we know that there are a lot of Penn State fans who feel that way. I'm going to take up James Franklin's defense with a couple things. It caused me to look up some things. Well, first of all, how are you judging who has superior talent? 
I think the easiest way to do that is look at recruiting. And we've talked about Penn State, Michigan earlier this year, and we called the recruiting comparable. If you really want to look at it, Michigan has out-recruited Penn State. If you want to look at Ohio State's recruiting, they've by far out-recruited Penn State. And if you want to know what that gap is in talent, I believe it was the folks at 24-7, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they put out a, here are the 22 starters, and they compared their rankings coming out of high school, their recruiting rankings. 20 out of 22 positions, Ohio State has the superior talent. I'm not sure it's quite fair to expect almost any team to compete with Ohio State. Well, I mean, I think by Steve's logic, Ohio State is, in fact, underachieving too because they keep losing to teams like Alabama or Georgia or whoever. They're beating everybody they should beat by those rankings. And it's like the better you recruit, the harder it is to say that. So, like, I think in generally speaking, Penn State recruits pretty consistently at what, a top 15 level? I know they, they've improved on that yes. a bit in the past, in the current cycle, in the past and, and last year's cycle. But in general, they're roughly in that top 15 range. And wouldn't you call Just that- real, real quick, if I could interrupt you, Dustin, sure. and going through it, since James Franklin arrived, he has just two top 10 recruiting classes. For comparison's sake, in that same time span, one, two, three, four, um, Michigan has five. Just to yeah. give you a little bit of a feel on the recruiting. Yeah, and, you know, I think those schools are pretty comparable in recruiting. But let's say, okay, so top 15 recruiting school. And I think it's probably pretty fair to say, I know there have been some downtimes over the past, you know, couple of years, but they're generally speaking a top 15 program, not a whole lot more than that. So I do feel like, you know, how where they are as a program and where they are uh, in their recruiting, it's pretty level, right? Like, I think there are some schools that, that clearly don't recruit at as high of a level, but they get more out of their teams. And that's, that's great. And there are teams that recruit at a higher level that don't get as much out of their teams. You've got teams in the South, like whether it's Florida or it's Ole Miss or it's LSU or Arkansas, whoever, Texas A&M is a great example. Teams that kind of like they're, they're sitting in such talent rich States that they're getting talent. That's not proportionate to what their results consistently are. And it's hard for Penn state on a year by year basis to really out recruit them because of where, where they're at and what they're faced with. So, you know, I, I think whether you get a top 10, class or not like I think Penn State uh it has been one of the better recruiting schools in the country and I think you know for the most part like as long as they keep kind of this rebound season going I, I do feel like the results on the field kind of match where they are consistently recruiting and I'll also uh, venture into this argument debating point that even if Penn State goes 10 and 2 which if you go by how they're going to be favored every game the rest of the season except for Ohio State. If things go to plan, that will make them 10-2. and two. I actually, and that would mean beating 10 unranked teams and losing to the two ranked teams, which looks kind of bad, but I think it's a bit of a fallacy to say that none of those teams have the talent that Penn State does. Um, I, again, doing research... Do you know that Auburn has out-recruited Penn State three of the last four years? 
So that's the last four recruiting cycles going into this year's season. Now, Auburn's been a great disappointment. I think the flaw, the biggest issue that James Franklin has is he's made the mistake of being in the Big Ten East where Ohio State resides. Yeah, and 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 the conflicting thing about all this is that both the truths can exist at the same time. Steve's point that 10 and 2 feels hollow, and Steve's point that, you know, maybe beating Minnesota under those conditions with them reeling, that was their third loss in a row. Tanner Morgan had kind of uh, started to struggle a bit and they was hurt and they were starting a redshirt freshman. So like celebrating that win vigorously is maybe not the best thing, but I would just kind of say in general, and Penn State should have learned this the last two years is that 10 wins in college football should never be considered a hollow experience because it's hard to do uh, beating all the teams you're supposed to beat. It's also hard to do showing up for those 10 weeks. If Penn state were to go 10 and two with those losses to Ohio state showing up each and every week, when maybe one team plays their best and you play like your C or D game, uh, which happens, you know, surviving and advancing in those 10 games, it's also hard to do at the same time. You know, I think everybody's watching this Penn state program as like, if, or when they can take another step forward and, you know, it's time, right? Like it's, it's beyond time to take another step forward. And the easy judgment of that is how you compete against Michigan and Ohio state teams that are either ranked where you are or above you in, in more cases than not. And they haven't gotten it done against those teams, whether there's a talent deficiency or not, uh, two and 14 against top 10 teams, whatever the updated record is against Michigan and Ohio state and even Michigan state, uh, you know, that, that record's not good enough. So, you know, it's 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 hard to kind of delineate because I think there are elements of truth to what Steve is saying that 10 and two is still going to feel a little disappointing because they they were not in the same uh, league as the T as the class of the division. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of a lot of programs would envy beating all 10 teams you're supposed to be. And let's look at James Franklin over this time span. One of the things that we've I know I've talked about is how important that elite quarterback is. And again, you could take both sides. Is that the excuse for not taking the next step that James Franklin's never had an elite quarterback or is it on him that he's never brought in an elite quarterback? Hmm. I mean, the quarterback position is so interesting because they, not that they lucked out with Trace McSorley, like they, they hit a home run with Trace McSorley relative to what he was viewed as, as a prospect, hit a home run with him. And then the transition went right to Sean Clifford, you know, so Tommy Stevens leaves, uh, you lose Will Levis as a result of that. So they haven't really given any other opportunities to, to quarterbacks to play since Trace McSorley, since that magical run gave right way to Sean Clifford. So Sean Clifford hasn't been the guy like I I'll, I'll stand by that hasn't been the guy, but I do really feel like the guy is on campus now uh, going forward. So the era of no excuses uh, with your quarterback position should begin, I think in 2023. I, I'm in agreement with you there. I think though, my conclusion to this and the question of, you know, James Franklin's status as coach, good, bad, indifferent. It's interesting. Again, I'm going to go back to the overreaction. Right now, Jim Harbaugh is doing great. Well, that's because he came off his Big Ten championship winning season and beating Ohio State. By the way, he's beaten Ohio State once, same as James Franklin. James Franklin has three top ten finishes. Jim Harbaugh has one. 
the biggest problem both of them have is that group in Columbus. That's it, Dusty, for quarter number two. Quarter number three, we're going to ask Dusty. Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd-pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, sitting in for Andrew Quiche. All you Big Andy fans, don't worry. He will be back next week, back from assignment. He's on the road traveling, uh, Dusty. But anyway, it is quarter number three, and that means it's time for Ask Ain't... Nope. Ask Dusty this week. Let's be clear. So are you ready to take on questions? I, I think I am. I think I'm the last time I did this, we were live down in Auburn and the questions got wild quick. So I think coming back from that, I do expect a little bit more tight questions that were submitted through the Keystone Sports app. They are tight. They, but we did get some real nice questions while we were down there in Auburn, we did. didn't we? Yeah, we absolutely did. All right, this is where you could send us in your questions. It has the Ask Andy button. There's also an Ask T. Frank button, who we talked to earlier in the week. And what you do, just download the app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask buttons. Click on them. You enter your question. And at the end of each uh, segment, we're going to name a winner of the best question, and you get the KSN Polo. And the way we normally do this is after you win, I will send you an email, 
for your mailing address, your shirt size. I've been struggling with that dust in the last couple weeks. Things have been going to spam. Email's been rejected. So if you don't hear from me in like a week, you send me an email at info at ksnsports.net to make sure it gets through. All right, because we want to make sure you get your polo shirt. Ready for your questions here, Dusty? Fire away, baby. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's start with Henry in Bedford. He wants to talk about Sean Clifford. Shocker, yeah. And Henry says he's not a Clifford hater or defender, so he's the one. (laughs) But at what point would you make a change to Drew Auer? Uh, Me, personally? I mean, all right, so that would assume, number one, that I've inherited what James Franklin did the previous three years. Sean Clifford is my starting quarterback week one through through now. Um, you know, I, I think it, when, when Michigan happens, you know, he gets a little dinged up. He wasn't great in that game. His offensive line had gotten owned. Uh, I would have taken several more steps towards that thinking after Michigan, like his leash would have gotten a little bit shorter in my eyes. Now uh, I wouldn't have moved to Aller for Minnesota. I still think that that's too soon. Um, I think I, I don't have a lot of criticisms with how Clifford and Aller have been managed this season because they made a commitment to Aller and they got him on the field. They're burning his red shirt. They, they've gotten him some meaningful reps. I think everybody will love there are more reps, but I, I wouldn't have moved to Clifford yet. You know, I, th- I think it, it's going to take at least two bad efforts in a row for, for me to go down that road. Franklin's not going to go down that road. So I think um, if he if he laid an egg against Minnesota, that's a very real conversation that I have with my coaching staff at that point in time. But he bounced back. I think he probably has enough leash uh, to last the rest of the season. Um, I would just kind of – I think I would have made it more of an effort um, to get Aller on the field in some of these other games too. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have benched Clifford yet, and it would take at least back-to-back pretty disastrous performances. And I know some folks have looked at it, and I have too, not so much about Sean Clifford pl- playing poorly, but if the team is losing games, what harm is there Correct. in getting yourself essentially set for next year? And I believe a lot of people will feel like a second loss will put you in that position. I don't agree. I think it's a third loss. If you lose to Ohio State, you still have 10-2 and two in front of you. However, if you lose a third game somewhere in there, I think it's time to turn the reins over to Drew Aller. Um, but I do think 10 wins is important enough that those double-digit victories, which could lead you to a New Year's Day Bowl, you could end up in the Rose Bowl, you could end up in the Orange Bowl with that 10-2 and two record. That's not too shabby. So uh, that's the way I would look at it. And I I think Drew Aller right now would be a downgrade from Sean Clifford, just from an experience standpoint and all the things that he does to uh, check out of plays and, and recognize um, coverages and slide protections, all that stuff. You, you just can't replicate that as a true freshman. But the question is, you know, how much more of an upgrade is it physically with Drew Aller? Um, because he can make NFL throws. He can make 
uh, throws the other, the other side of the field. He can make throws down the field. Like that element also brings a new dimension to Penn state's offense that we've talked about a few times that hasn't existed. So I think if, if you're forced to go to Drew Aller, yeah, you are going to have to um, treat him with kid gloves and you're, you're not going to have somebody who's going to be able to make adjustments the way that, that, that their veteran could, but you know what? He can also make throws down the field that Sean Clifford can't. We must overreact immediately. I, I wanted to do an overreaction, so I just needed to play that one more time, Dusty. What I found interesting is the conversation when Penn State had two three and outs and then the bad interception by Sean Clifford, how quickly folks were going to say, let's bring in Drew Aller now. Now's the time. <laughs> yes, it was a bad interception, but those first two three and outs, they weren't on Sean Clifford. They really weren't. Yeah. And if anything, Mitchell Tinsley on that one third down, he even said it. I didn't know where the marker was. I should have had the first down. And you would talk about them a little bit different. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Dave in Redding. Dave says, shouldn't Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter both be on the field the majority of the time since they're the two best linebackers? Well, I answered this question before it was even asked a couple quarters ago. You know, we talked about overreactions um, in quarter number one of this show, and the linebackers were bad against Michigan. They were much, much better. They were very good, in fact, against Minnesota. Uh, Abdul Carter was in that game, and Curtis Jacobs has shifted to a, to the strong side again because of Minnesota's propensity to run, especially the fact that Tanner Morgan wasn't playing. So Abdul Carter made sense from a matchup perspective, but it's my opinion that he makes sense from any perspective that you want to judge it. So absolutely, Dave, I think now is the time. I do feel like the success that they experienced and how, I mean, Clifford or, um, uh, Curtis Jacobs played like his hair was on fire in that game. I want more of that too. And if, if that means that lining up with Abdul Carter is bringing that Curtis Jacobs out, then let's do that by all means. And maybe what we saw against Minnesota is, is the coaching staff saying, okay, you know what? Now that's, that's our best combination. That's our best two linebackers in Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs and our best combination to date, whether it's a run team or a pass team, it doesn't matter. That's our combination. We will be seeing uh, Abdul Carter more. And I do feel like the combination they went with at Minnesota is their best combination. And before we crucify the coaching staff by saying, why didn't they do this earlier? Why wasn't this game one is Abdul Carter was getting in from game one, but also I'm sure Abdul Carter as a true freshman is a better player today than he was when he arrived on campus and for that first game of the year. Let's go to Tom in Johnstown. Tom says, why did it take so long to go to the tight ends? Was it really just the scheme that Minnesota's defense played that led to their use in this game? Man, I, th- I think, um, I, I, don't kn- I don't know the answer to either one of those questions, but let's look at each of those parts individually. What took so long to get to the tight ends? Well, I mean, so Theo Johnson was injured. That's part of the conversation. He was injured to start the year. They didn't have in- him in there, but uh, Brenton Strange kind of got his numbers, but he did a lot of that on his own by, ma- by leaping guys and making plays after the catch. Uh, Tyler Warren was nowhere to be found and in the passing game was nowhere to be found uh, early in the season before he caught that 38 yarder last week. Um, So I think, yeah, I think working the tight ends in more has become 
a bigger and bigger focus for the coaching staff and it paid off against Minnesota. Everybody was talking about that last week too. So I think clearly that's a priority item. They just, I, I just feel like they haven't in, in the passing game, hadn't really managed their pieces all that great. Um, Theo Johnson being healthy again, kind of brings that dynamic, make, makes you kind of force that. But I think Parker Washington has been underutilized as well. So I think um, last week was really encouraging because I think everybody wants to see more of the tight ends, more of Theo Johnson down the field and more of Parker Washington being your wide receiver one. So I hope that's a fundamental change. I feel like it will be um, because they're too good to banish to their fourth, fifth and sixth options or whatever. And you also had a situation here, Dustin, with back-to-back weeks where you had Northwestern in the monsoon, and they chose they could have thrown the ball a bit more than they did, but they chose not to. It was about a three-to-one ratio of runs to passes, so there wasn't much opportunity. Then against Michigan, where you just didn't play very well, you know, when you go three and out, it's really hard to spread the ball around when your possessions don't last very long and the other team is just marching down the field with double-digit drives. So I think circumstances were a bit a part of that also. All right, let's go to Charlie in Mechanicsburg. Charlie says, Texas A&M and Miami were two, two schools that seemed to get a lot of publicity for handing out NIL money. It hasn't worked out so well for them. Is NIL really going to change the game? It seems as if the portal has had a bigger effect than NIL. Yeah, I think as NIL is playing out and as all these kind of figures are thrown around, and I think some... I think many, many of them were exaggerated and, and the fear of, of money changing hands uh, really took over the narrative. And I don't I, I think it was overstated for sure. I think absolutely the portal is, is a bigger difference maker. You know, when you have the Blitnikoff award winner from Pitt going to USC in a single offseason, um, you know, like that, that is a game changing kind of move. Obviously quarterbacks are going to change hands. Caleb Williams going from uh, Oklahoma to USC. That's a bigger thing, more fundamental thing going forward than NIL money. I, I feel like NIL money is going to come with more and tighter restrictions as we go, but the portal is here. Free agency is here. You're not putting that toothpaste back in the tube. I think going forward, that's going to have a more profound effect on the future of college football than money changing hands. We're figuring out the money thing and we're going to settle into guys making like eight or $10,000 to endorse this for four years and not getting a sack full of a million dollars. That's not going to be normal. And Dustin, with the um, transfer portal, if you strategically, you mentioned quarterbacks and we saw it here, Will Levis leaving really changed the course of Kentucky and Incoming, you look at what James Franklin has done with a guy like Chop Robinson, Mitchell Tinsley, where he does it strategically to fill in holes. Or if you go to Tucker in Michigan State, where he brought in essentially an entire roster NIL, you're bringing in experienced veterans. Yes, it's going to make a difference. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number three. You did your job and you did it well. Stick around quarter number four. We're going to look ahead to Ohio State. Stay tuned for that.
New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. I know. Surprise, surprise. He's sitting in for Andy Shea. And I'll tell you what, Dustin, we're three quarters of the way through. You have done a heck of a job. Just just trying to hold up my end of the bargain. I don't want you guys to lose listeners because Andy's not here. That's my job this week. That's your job to keep keep them engaged. Speaking of good job, you did a great job with the questions, but now the pressure is on. Are you capable of making a decision? We need a best question. Yeah, I think the very first question to me, Henry asking about when would you bench Sean Clifford? And it's not because the idea or the concept of benching Sean Clifford or the idea of um, getting the talented freshman in there is new or innovative. What I like about that question is when would you do it? It's so easy to shout what somebody else is doing wrong. That question kind of forced me into like, oh man, I never really thought about like if I'm head coach and I'm thinking about the repercussions and I'm thinking about the criticisms and I'm thinking about, you know, what I see in practice each week, when would I bench Sean Clifford? Boy, that is, I mean, it was, it was, um, it, it was kind of challenging in that sense of like, I had to stop. Uh, shouting what the problems were, and I had to I had to present my solution to it, and uh, it was just a different way to ask the question, and I like that. Well, congrats to Henry on that, and you're right, he did do a good job at that, and I think what's interesting to that 
is I wonder if after, say, three possessions into the Minnesota game, three and out, three and out interception, if you polled the Penn State fan base, is it time? What do you? Th- I'll ask you that question. What do you think the ratio would be? What percentage of Penn State fans would have pulled Sean Clifford at that point? I would venture to say 80% would say, would say pull him now. Um, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to factor in just how big the, how big the silent majority might be. Who, who isn't shouting from the rooftops? Because I don't think Sean Clifford has a, a, a band of hardcore loyalists per se, but I think more level-headed fans probably aren't getting on the message boards and and sh- and shouting that opinion. So I think there might be a, a good solid group that makes up that 20%. I don't think I'm overstating it. Do you? 80% would say yeah? At, at that point, I'll tell you what. I think a lot of folks, the, the majority, they would have won the election. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So... And and it gave James Franklin a chance to give his big old paws, pound himself on the chest, and say, uh-huh, that's why I'm the coach and making the big bucks. Well, James, we're going to see if you can really earn those big bucks coming up this week. It's Ohio State. You and I talked about this game a bit on our Monday show, Dustin. I want to start today's segment off with this question. I believe Penn State fans feel a lot better about this team you know, a week removed from Michigan after the Minnesota win. But I think they're realistic. Ohio State is really good. As I pointed out, 20 out of 22 positions, they've got the more highly recruited player on the field. But if Penn State's going to have a chance to win this game, what has to happen? Well, I, I think they have to make it muddy. Um, I think they, they, they need to, to find ways to um, disrupt the rhythm and timing of that Ohio State offense. It's going to be the best unit on the field, I think. But are they going to be a powerhouse from minute one, or are you going to put up a fight? Are you going to confuse C.J. Stroud? Are you going to pressure him? Are you going to knock these receivers off their routes? Are you going to still kind of continue that progress in the run game? I think a lot of this is on Penn State's defense to slow that group down in the early going and set that tone that nothing's going to be handed out in this game. I think first and foremost, it's that. Uh, The second thing is, no matter how long you kind of stave off uh, Ohio State's offense. Some teams have had some success in like the first quarter and through the um, through midway in the second quarter before Ohio State really got on track. Um, and you know, no matter how long you're able to be successful with that, they're able to put up three touchdowns in three minutes at any given point. And so, you know, three and outs are not going to be uh, acceptable. Getting, you know, having possessions that go three plays for six yards and you're putting it away, you can't have a whole lot of those or things will get tilted in a hurry. So obviously a big key for the Penn State defense to buy that time and to set the tone in the game, allow your offense to not be playing from three touchdowns down uh, as part of the formula. And I think, um, you know, the, the fans making it difficult. Ohio State, Outside, you know, that week one game against Notre Dame was a bit of a challenge. Now you're looking back and saying, okay, Notre Dame actually isn't all that good. Um, that was their hardest game of the year. You know, they've blown through people. They This is their second road game. I mean, they played a lot at home. They played a lot with big advantages. Taking them into deep water means uh, either building a lead, scoring first, or making them work for it in the early going. So I think that formula is all part of the deal here. And anytime you're the less talented team, 
that's what your goal needs to be is to kind of make it muddy, take away possessions from the Ohio State offense and make the most of yours. And Penn State has found ways to do that against Ohio State. Yes, I know. James Franklin's record one in six or whatever against Ohio State. He only has the one win. And now you can do this with the positive spin or the negative spin. They've had Ohio State on the ropes multiple times. Now, you could either say that's a good thing or they blew substantial leads against Ohio State in the fourth quarter. But I think the one thing I've always described it as, I don't feel like Penn State gets intimidated as soon as they see those Ohio State uniforms like happens with a lot of other teams. Yeah, on the contrary, I think they they find a way to play up to that competition. And the longer that that goes, where they're playing, you know, they're they're they they're heavy underdogs and they're playing them as if they believe they can win. The longer that goes, the more it's going to carry over in, into the next year too. So I think it's it's a trend that I think holds up, which I think you know, like you look at Ohio State on paper and what they're doing from, you know, a stat point of view. I mean, this is a really impressive team that's doing really impressive things. So, you know, they're they're number one in pass efficiency, number four total offense, number two scoring offense, number two total defense, number three passing defense, number five scoring defense. They're they're they don't have any holes on paper. But you know what? Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, and Iowa, they that that's that's the the wins since Notre Dame. I still think they need to prove that they can do it against a good defense and a good team. And I don't think Penn State wins this game, but I think that they put up a really spirited fight. You know, 15 and a half point spread was surprising to me, considering the home field, considering the fact that Penn State has been within t- two touchdowns in seven out of eight meetings under James Franklin. Ohio State has covered that spread once if it's 15 and a half. So I think the the history of playing these guys tough continues in this game. Uh, but in the end, I mean, over the course of 60 minutes, when a team has that much talent, uh, it's going to get the best of you at some point in time. You have you have to play a really fine, you, have, you don't have much margin for error in this one. So I think at some point, Ohio State's going to go on a little bit of a scoring blitz and they're going to separate. Henry from Bedford put you in the coach's seat in deciding when to bring Drew Aller in and place a Sean Clifford. I'm now going to put you in Mark, Mike Yersage's place. I'm making you offensive coordinator. What are you thinking going into this game? What are you trying to accomplish strategically? Strategically, I mean, I I think um, getting Parker Washington in space, testing the seams again with with Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, um, trying to get Nick Singleton off the edge. I mean, you've got a pretty select group of guys who can match the talent, the speed, the athleticism that Ohio State has, trying to put those guys in favorable positions. And the other thing is, and what you didn't see against Michigan, is when you know you're outmatched, uh, whether that's on the scoreboard or whether that's just on in terms of roster talent, you got to pull out a couple stops. You know, the, the fact that they didn't really try any gadgetry against Michigan uh, was a little bit disappointing to me because what do you have to lose at that point in time? You were getting owned at the point of attack. I don't think they're going to get owned at the point of attack, but I would still like to see flea flicker, uh, double end around, whatever. I, I would still like to see um, some gadget type plays that haven't been put on film yet. You know, you're outmatched. What do you, what do you have to lose? I don't know if it has to be completely a flea flicker, but at least try something a little different. I like that Omari Evans reverse. Again, we talked about it earlier in the week. Didn't produce a huge play. 
but it looked like it could have, Dustin. And it was something new, something different, something we hadn't seen from this team before. I want to see something from them that's not on tape. Let's go to the other side of the ball, the defense. I think Manny Diaz and what he does with his defense, he's going to take some gambles. He's going to risk about risk a bit. He's going to send people in from everywhere. But if you actually want to get away from Beaver Stadium with a win this weekend, I think you have to take some gambles. You have to risk things a bit if you want to stop Ohio State. The, the last thing you can really afford to do is allow C.J. Stroud to be comfortable and have a lot of time to process what's going on. You know, he's such a he's such a talent when it comes to um, his, his arm and what he's capable of doing and making tight window throws. You got to get you got to get funky. You got to get creative. You've got some edge rushers who I think are capable of winning one on one matchups. So that helps. Um, you know, having some some blitzes that come up the middle that work against the run or the pass helps. Uh, you're going to need to trust your defensive backs to keep doing what they've been doing against a much higher level of talent opposite them. And that's going to be a challenge. And obviously, when you have a quarterback, you know, who's capable of making those tight window throws that nobody has been capable of making yet, that adds a new dimension. But uh, you have to keep you have to stay true to who you've been so far, which is funky pressure, um, getting getting to the quarterback, affecting his timing, um, especially early in the game and letting your the strength of your team, not just your defense of your team. Uh, let trust them, let them be on islands the way that they have been and adjust from there. If you need to, um, I, I think you got to keep doing what you've been doing, even though that's an, a super team and by far the best offense you've seen. I know Dustin, you mentioned it on our Monday show. You think Penn state will cover. Did you give a bold prediction? Uh, I gave some kind of bold prediction. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Um, so I, I got to go to my, I got to try to figure that out or get to my alternative. I think my, my bold um, prediction will be uh, this is a tie game midway through slash late into the second quarter. Very good. I'm going to put out there again. I'm with you. I, I, I don't think they're going to win the game. I give them a puncher's chance. And I don't know if this is a bold prediction or not, Dusty, but If Monday we are somehow talking about a Penn State victory, I think the two stars of the game, one on each side of the ball, are going to be Mike Yersich and Manny Diaz. I think it's going to be, for Penn State to win, they have to scheme that victory. All right, Dustin, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000.